0: I just want to encourage the men to come and join us for men's work party next weekend, um, and I and I'll just tell you it's kind of a selfish motive. Um, the house, the house that my wife and I live in, was flooded out June 23rd um, with that little flood that happened in West Virginia, and uh, we are in the process of rebuilding um, that um, as we speak. And right now, there's no plumbing or electric. Um, so hopefully by the time we get through this weekend, it'll have a front porch, a back porch, siding, plumbing, and electric. So, man, you know that's kind of the work we're getting into. Um, part of my job is working with Baptist Campus Ministry at Marshall University, and, and we have been um, finishing up the Old Testament, and, and really, I, uh, I've been preaching a book a week, In the Old Testament so if you've studied the Old Testament you know sometimes that comes with a challenge so today we're going to look at the book of Haggai Haggai however you want to pronounce it every time I say it you just say it in your in your mind the way you want to all right Um, and one of the things in the book of Haggai is it's just all about priorities so you see on your bulletin the time is now for what? And the question is, when you get up tomorrow morning or even before you go to bed tonight and you're beginning to plan what you're going to do tomorrow, what decisions you're going to make, the priorities, how, whatever you want to accomplish, what do you use to make those decisions? And God's Word just continues to challenge us um, to look towards His Word um, and, and the things that are going on in, in, in life we look at Scripture. Some questions we ask right now, all of us, do we spend money or do we save money, right? And then the question is, do we have any money to save? But that that whole um, save money, rent money, buy a house, rent a house, get a new car, used car, ride the bus, all of those are decisions that at some point in our life we begin to make. But, but we put on the complications of life, and we, we think about, um, okay, we, we have our kids, and one of them has to be at soccer practice, and one of them has to be at band practice, and then as soon as band practice is over, there's youth group, and, and all of this complication of life begins to get there. And, and if we don't have a foundation, if we don't have a core um, decisions that we make in Jesus Christ, we get lost. And we end up doing everything that's urgent and important and we forget what's happening. And so the challenge for us is to look at God's word and figure out how we can understand what God's word says to us and how we're going to walk in that. And if you look at the book of Haggai, um, the, the time it was written was 520 B.C., And the people in Jerusalem, and just to give you some background, you remember when when the Israelites um, came into the promised land, God said, "I, I have made this for you, I have created this for you, and you can live and stay here as long as you obey my commands and as long as I am your God and you look toward me. And if that doesn't happen, I'm going to send you into exile. One of the the things I remember from Old Testament studies class was, here's how we describe them. They could just look and say, I've seen the enemy, and the enemy is us. You ever felt like that? All of the decisions and all the things that I do are what cause my problems. And the, and the issue in our society is sometimes we want to push our problems out on everybody else. Well, so-and-so did this and so-and-so did this. But if we read scripture, the Israelites did this and God said, go off into exile. And that's where they lived for about 70 years. So the prophet Haggai, as as just so you know, and, and you're thinking, oh my gosh, how can a prophet be described that way? But his name means festive or festival. He was a prophet in the sixth century B.C. Um, he was, he was um, 15 years after Daniel, and he was a contemporary of Zechariah. All right, so that kind of gives you some of that historical background, and, and that's where he is 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 where he's been hanging out. But that's about all we know about him. Usually, if you look at Old Testament characters, their, their, their whole lineage is list, listed, who their father was, who their grandfather was, where they lived and all that. But that's really all we know about Haggai is he just showed up in Jerusalem and started communicating for God. This book of Haggai is, one, is the second shortest. All right. So if you want a book to memorize, here you go. 38 verses. You can start Monday and be done by Friday, right? You just hang on to it because there's a lot in there that will help you walk and talk in the way you live. Now, I know um, that Ed has been preaching a long time for you. Um, I sent him a text. I don't know where he exactly is today, but I'm only going to be here once, so I'm going to get four sermons in today, all right? (laughs) So if you look at the book of Haggai, it can kind of break down into four ways. And the first one is that we need to put put God first in our priorities. And we're going to hang on to that because we'll come back. The second sermon that you could pull out is, if you're stuck in the rut of the past, there's hope and if you look at chapter two it's just this whole idea that they were to come back they were to build the temple and i'll kind of give you a clue they came back and they started on the temple they got their foundation and then they got distracted that ever happened to anybody you you start really well you start january 2nd and you have this incredible plan to be on a diet for an entire year and january 3rd you forget and you get distracted All right. So that's kind of what happened to them. They built this foundation and they were ready to go, but they got distracted. And one of the things that that got them distracted was they figured out and they understood that the temple they were building was not going to be as wonderful as the one Solomon had built. You ever get caught up in comparison and you look at what everybody else is doing? You look at their house, you look at their life, and you go, well, my life can't be like that. I'll just move on and I won't work as hard as they did. I won't follow that and I'll get away. And high God just simply says, hey, just build it. I am going to do what I'm going to do. You've been called to build the temple. Use the gifts, the talents, the abilities, the resources you have and go on. Be careful that you don't get stuck in the ruts of the past. Because in chapter 2, verse 9, God says this. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. And that's just this guarantee from God to them. You do what I've called you to do and I'm going to bless that. And there are things in your life that you just need to do what God's called you to do and allow him to bless it. He will bless it in the beginning. He will bless it as you walk through. Hang on to those promises. Then the challenge for them is, um, and for us to know, that getting right with God just involves repentance and reflection. Chapter 2, verse 12 says, um, and, and this is that whole idea about holiness And and he's talking to the priest and says, if a person carries consecrated meat in the fold of his garment and that fold touches some bread or stew or some wine or oil or other food, does it become consecrated? Simply the answer was no. And I want you to understand that holiness can't be caught. All right? It's been flu season and it's pretty easy for us to catch flu, isn't it? I mean, everybody says, wash your hands, wash your hands, don't touch anybody else. We can catch The bad stuff. We can catch flu. We can't catch healthiness, can we? If we did, I would be in good shape because I'm sure my wife got up and ran three or four miles this morning. I ate chocolate donuts for breakfast. (laughs) All right. There's just this huge difference. I can't catch it. And we need to understand. We need to give careful thought into what we are doing if you look that word or those words keep coming up in Haggai give careful thought to what you're doing when you begin to make priorities when you begin to make decisions give careful thought into what god wants you to do and how you're going to follow what he has asked you to do give careful thought to the israelites was what he challenged them and then the fourth sermon is if you belong to god there's hope for the future and when you get To the end of chapter 2 just simply says, The word of the Lord came to Haggai a second time on the 24th day of the month. Tell Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, that I am going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overturn royal thrones and shatter the power of the foreign kingdoms. I will overthrow chariots and their drivers, horses, and their riders will fall each by the sword of his brother. On that day, declares the Lord Almighty, I will take you, my servant Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord, and I will make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord Almighty. We need to know God's promises. That's one of the things that the Israelites could hang on to. God had promised, they were hanging on to that, and they were going to move forward. We need to know God's promises and we need to hang on to those. And then we need to believe God. Sometimes we read all of this stuff and we have it in our mind, but it's not in our heart and it's not in our actions. And as you make decisions every day, are you going to believe what God has to say? And that's why we can go back to to the first point. Put God first in your priorities. And as you look At the beginning of this book, it says, In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josedek, the priest. How's that for a bunch of names none of us use today, right? But he's speaking to them, and there's a specific reason that he begins to say it this way. And this is one of those books in the Bible that gives a specific time date. And people who are smarter than me go, oh, well, that's this date, this date, and this date. And so when we look at this, we know that the, the first, first sermon was written on August the 29th. And the second one was written October the 17th. And the third one was December 18th. And the fourth one was December 18th. So if you count all of that up, Haggai did all of his ministry, all of his preaching, all of his challenge in four months. And he said, here it is, go get it. Four months, August 29th to December 18th. And they listened and they followed. So this word uh, of the Lord comes to Haggai on August the 29th. And he begins to speak to them. And notice, if you look, there's a governor in here and there's a high priest in here. So the word of the Lord was good for the political people and it was good for the priest and it was good for the common people. And that's who he spoke to. And we need to understand that the prophets were to speak for God, not give their own opinion. And, And as each of us stand and we speak God's word, it is for us to speak for God, not to speak on our own. And that's what continues to happen here. We know that um, he just reminds them, Hey, you didn't, we didn't do what God said. We were off in exile. And, and all of those Israelites, now they've come back to Jerusalem. About 42,000 of them have come back. And God says, Okay, it's time for you to do this. This is what the Lord Almighty said. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. And make sure you don't get lost in that. This is the Lord speaking and he's just going to, he's saying, hey, this is what the people says. But in verse 3 it says, then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains in ruin?" And again, just the history, they built the foundation and all of a sudden they've gotten distracted. And it wasn't that they didn't want to do what God said, they just wanted to do what God said in their own time. Does that sound familiar? We want to do what God wants us to do when we want to do it instead of the calling that God has placed on our life. They weren't opposed to doing what God said. They were just opposed to doing what God said when God said it. They were going to take care of themselves first. And then they were going to give God what was left. It is time for you yourselves to be... Is it time for you to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Obviously, they are supposed to be rebuilding the temple and God just... Asked through Haggai, why are you living in paneled houses? And for us now, we're like, we don't want paneled houses. That's not something we want. We want all these fancy things. And, and, but for them, paneled houses was this sign of luxury. And if you study the history, you look even in the book of Ezra, they had been sent off into Lebanon to buy what was supposed to be used for the temple. And now they don't have supplies for the temple. Now they don't have resources for the temple. But their houses are in really good shape. See, they've used what they were supposed to be used for God's building and used in their own houses. They were taking care of themselves instead of taking care of what God wanted them to do. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on your clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. They're beginning to give good reasons. They had a great list of excuses for why they weren't doing what they were supposed to do. They've planted, but they're not harvesting because God's not blessing them because they have all these excuses. And if you look and you listen and you read, they were, their excuses were, the Samaritans are against us. They, we, we try to build and they argue. It's dangerous. They don't want us doing this. We're tired after coming back from exile. You come back from vacation on Saturday night, you're too tired to get up for church on Sunday morning. You work hard all day. And you don't push through and persevere to come to Bible study or life groups or whatever. We all make those those excuses, right? We look at them and go, why aren't you about God's work? And it's easy for us because it's in writing. But sometimes we need to look in the mirror and go, what's our excuse? And what I need to do to get rid of that? And God just continues to say to them, push that stuff away. Get back to what you're supposed to to do. This is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. Again, now we're down in verse 7. It's that challenge. It's that thought. Give careful thought to your ways. There's nothing wrong with fixing up your house. We're supposed to take care of our house and we're supposed to take care of our families, but we can't put all of that ahead of the priorities that God wants. Our wrong priorities need to be corrected. And God's word continues to help us with that. Go up, in verse 8, Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home I blew away. Why? declares the Lord Almighty. Because of my house, which remains in ruin while each of you is busy with your own house. Think about why their agriculture failed. It was because they were focused on them instead of God. And just hear this when I say this. When we neglect God, we never have enough. When we neglect God, we never have enough. But when we put God first, we'll have all you need. When we put God first, we'll have all you need. Psalm 23 that most of you have memorized says, the word of my shepherd, I shall not want. We need to get our priorities straight and make sure you hang on and understand that that word is, I shall not want. That's not this whole idea that we're going to win the lottery, drive the best cars, have new Corvettes, new motorcycles, and all of those things. It's God's going to provide what we need, not what we want. We continue to read... And we just need to understand, think about what God wants you to do. God's challenging them to rebuild. And why does he want a temple? He wants a temple because at this specific time, this is where they needed to come to honor God. This whole idea is, Um, declares, because my house which remains in ruin, which each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and their earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains on every grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces on people and livestock and all the labor of your hand. All of this is being withheld because they don't have a house to go to be able to honor Christ. That was the word, re- honor God. That was the reason for the Old Testament temple. That This was the place where they brought their sacrifices, where they brought everything. And they, that's, they recognized and they honored God at that time. Now for us, we don't have to worry about that. Because in Hebrews 9 it says, So Christ was sacrificed, sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. But the temple, um, we just need to understand, it wasn't just a place of sacrifice. It was a place where God demonstrated his glory. And we see that in verse 8. Now today it's different for us because of that sacrifice of Christ. We need to obey God's will and we need to live for God's honor. And when we do that, our priorities begin to change. In verse 12, it says, Then Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord and their God and their message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared God. There's some words in there that we need to hang on to. The people obeyed the voice of the Lord and the message of the prophet Haggai. And just the understanding that they began to obey and they began to listen. And we obey God because it's what we are expected to do, what he wants us to do, not because we're going to get stuff out of obedience. We're going to get blessings out of obedience, that blessings of peace and joy and happiness and kindness that we're all supposed to communicate. They accepted the challenge and they began to rebuild. When we listen to the word of God, it changes our actions and it changes our hearts. As we go on um, in verse 13 in chapter 1, you will see, this change. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shelteel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. You see some incredible changes here. Because they heard the word of the Lord and it changed what they were doing. They began to obey it and it convicted them and it stirred their heart. How does God stir your heart? What's going on? They came and they began to work. And, and, and what you need to understand here is if you follow the timeline in all of Haggai's preaching, in 23 days, they went from being completely distracted to working on their own houses, to not having the resources to build the temple, to being ashamed and afraid of the, of the temple that they were building. All of a sudden, 23 days, their life, the remnant, all 43,000 people began to do what God had asked them to do. 23 days, their lives changed. How long is it going to take for you to hear the word of the Lord and for your life to begin to change? Have you looked at your priorities? Remember, I asked the question, what priorities are you going to set for tomorrow? What priorities are you going to have this week? Hopefully you hear the word of the Lord and you allow it to stir your heart and to stir your spirit so that you make decisions and your priorities are what God has in mind and in store for you. As I deal with college students all the time, um, it's, uh, we at Marshall we have two weeks left until this is dead week and then final start week after. And some of them are beginning to go, oh my gosh, that syllabus really meant that all those papers are due on Monday, uh, April 24th. And so they will be up all night tonight because it's so there. They didn't look, they, didn't, they just look day to day instead of what the big picture is. And see, sometimes we get lost in the little minute details of life and we forget the big picture. And then there are other people who are focused, so far focused out there on graduating, they forget to go to class today. Or they find a reason not to go to class today. And we get caught in this and, and we have to figure out what are the priorities and what are we going to focus on? Brett's going to put a picture up. This guy by the name of Adolf Menzel painted this picture. And, and he was um, very famous. And, and, and I think as you look at this and, and you can see, you go, oh my gosh, there's something missing. And Adolf Menzel was, was painting this picture Of Frederick the Great. And and, and it was this um, specific amount of time that that Menzel, or excuse me, Frederick the Great had called all of his generals in during battle. And the the artist was there and he was going to paint this incredible picture. And he spent all of this time. Going around and making sure that general was painted right, and that general was painted right, and that general was painted right, and they were in the right position. But if you look at this, and if you knew what Frederick the Great looked like, you would notice that he's missing. See those blank spots in there? That's where Frederick the Great was supposed to be. He just took a charcoal pencil and he outlined the main character of the story. He outlined the main person who was supposed to be the object of his picture and focused on everything else. And see, folks, we do that a lot with Christ. We focus on all the little things out there. And we forget to color in our relationship with Christ. We forget to put Christ in there first. And as tragedy would, the painter died. And he never filled in the rest of the picture. So Frederick the Great, the object, was missing. And see, sometimes we do, folks. Sometimes we get so caught up. In the little things of life we forget to put God and our relationship with Christ first. It's time to change. It's time to take those steps. Three weeks the Jews had to come back and they started building the temple. Some of us have been ignoring God a whole lot longer than three weeks. But it's time for you to come back. It's time for you to make individual decisions. To go, this is the God I love. This is the God I serve. And this is how I'm going to put God first. And give glory to him. Seek him. Serve him. Let him change your heart. Let him stir your spirit. Just as Haggai spoke to the Israelites and to the Jews. Allow God's word to speak to you.